Hello, lovely ladies. Welcome to the Lessons I Learned podcast, where I share what I've learned and am still learning about marriage, mothering, friendship, health and wellness, spiritual growth, and everything in between. I'll be learning right along with you, as many of my guests have such great things to say. So get ready to listen, grow, be open and teachable, and get ready to learn and have fun doing it. Today's podcast will sound a little different because the person I'm interviewing has a much deeper voice than most others this season. Funny man Steve Geyer is a comedian we toured with back in the day, but he's not just witty, he's wise, and he's got some important things to share today. So tune in. Well, thank you so much, Steve, for joining me. Um, ladies who are listening and maybe some gentlemen, um, today my guest is Mr. Steve Geyer, and I'm so excited to have him on today. I'm going to have him um, tell you a bit about himself in a minute. But before um, I give it over to Steve, first of all, hey, Steve, how's it going? I'm good, Danielle. How are you? I'm good. I'm so glad. We had a little bit of a time trying to connect um, on this. Um, we're doing it through Zoom today, this podcast, but uh, we're here now and I'm excited. I know we're going to have an awesome conversation, but just for the listeners um, out there, I'll set up um, who Steve is to us. So Steve, um, to us, we met you, Steve, man, it must be almost seven years ago now because we've been living in the Buffalo area about seven years ago. And um, Steve is a comedian. Um, now he's much more than that, and you'll hear hear more. But part of what he does is he's um, a very funny man. He and he was put on a tour with us years ago. Uh, Dan, my husband, was doing the music. I was kind of the road manager at the time, and Steve was um, doing um, his comedy. I think it was. I think it was a Valentine's tour. Was it? Was or was it Christmas? I can't even. Think uh, back. I think the first tour we did was the was the couples night out tour. So probably February, yeah. And uh, okay, so I'll have to say I'll tell the listeners. Let's just say at first I wasn't a hundred percent. I wasn't so sure about you, Steve. But by the end of the tour, everybody, listen. He had me um, in a hotel lobby, like pouring my guts out to him, and you were counseling me through <laughs> through some situations. And oh lord. Thank you, Lord, for your grace and your, um, and you just, um, we connected that night for sure. And, um, you, uh, we've come to love you both my husband and I, and, um, and not just you, but your ministry, because we've seen over the last many years, how you're not just a comedian, but you are a pastor. You are a minister to marriages to people all over. And so I'm just going to give you the floor before we dive into what I really want to talk about and just tell the listeners who you are, what you're about, uh, what your mission is, and we'll go from there. Well, sure. Yeah, it's it's funny. Uh, I, rem- I remember that night really well because uh, it, and it, um, you know, and I think part of uh, the reason that um, we've, you know, we've become so close over the years is that you're kind of the prototype of what uh, the book I wrote is about. It's someone mm-hmm. who is who is loving and caring and just wants to do um, what they believe God has called them to do. And then you have people 
who are in the church that use their authority or their position or just their own opinions to shame other people. And you yeah. guys were just absolutely uh, beaten up. And I think particularly you, because I think you saw, you know, Dan was under attack, but you were really under attack because not only were you watching Dan be attacked, but there was, it was these Christian people, you know? And so where do you put that? So, yeah. And, um, and, um, and so, yeah, so you, um, your mistrust for anybody in ministry was, was, you know, there's a reason for that. You know, that's, yeah. that's called, you know, that's called experience. And then, but it was really neat. And uh, it's just fun how, you know, um, God will use somebody that you don't think, um, first of all, that you can get anything from, and then you don't even like them. And then the next thing you know, it's like, wow, God, thank you for, you know, showing me that not everybody, not everybody's going to hurt me, you know? And yeah. so, yeah, so I, I actually remember, I remember the hotel we were in. Yeah. In fact, I, I was recently in there and I looked around, I sat down and said, Oh my gosh, I, I'm, I was in this hotel. But, um, <laughs> Yeah. And so, and, you know, um, you know, shame's one of those things too, that a lot of people, uh, in fact, when I wrote the book, um, it was, well, it was never intended to be a book. It was a blog. I was working on a blog and I was writing, I'd been blogging for a few months and the, um, the uh, editor called me and said, Hey, you know, you're, you're at your, you know, the deadline is coming up, you know, do you have it? And I said, well, I'm having a hard time finishing it. And she said, well, how many words are you short? And it was a 500 word blog. And I said, well, I'm not short. I'm short. I'm over. Mm. And she said, well, how many words are you over? And I said, 20,000. <laughs> Been there. Yeah, said, yeah. Right. So she said, oh my gosh. And she said, send it to me. And I said, well, I don't know. So I sent it to her. And a day or so later, she responded back to me. She said, I've been in tears reading this. She goes, this isn't a blog. It's a book. You need to write it. Yeah. And so before, before you continue, um, just so the listeners know, the book is called Shameless. And that's really why I have you on here is because I read your book, Steve, and it is just so powerful um, and so needed. Um, and so I just wanted to throw that out there before we dive in that um, uh, just so all the listeners can jot that down. The title is Shameless. Yeah. Yeah, it's shameless, and the subtitle is called "Set Free from the Mask" because you know I, I used comedy as a as a cover up for you know the pain that I was in as a as a kid and as an adult and as a young husband and then as a father. So it it, I, it shame stayed with me for many many years. Mm. But, um, but anyway, um, uh, she encouraged me to keep writing, and I kept writing, and then I was like, I don't know. And then she said, "My husband's going to send you an email," and I had never met. I'd never met either one of them face to face. And this guy sends me an email and says, Hey man, you know, um, my wife said, I'm working on your book. And, um, you know, she is just, I mean, she sits there and cries. <laughs> I said, Oh my, and he said, I've never seen her do this before. And, um, cause she's an editor for a living. And she even told me, she said she forgot that she was working cause she would get so engrossed in it that she said it was just really for her. And he said, but I want to, I want to thank you for something that has been a problem in our marriage for 11 years. I've always, I've always been sarcastic toward her and I would just tell her I was joking. And in your book, you explain in, you know, in real simple, but in great detail, um, what sarcasm does to a person, especially someone you love, like a spouse or a child. And, um, he said, I, I, I stayed up all night. I repented to her and everything. And he said, keep writing your book. And so it was kind of weird because 
again, like you, you never thought about writing a book and yet, you know, <laughs> you've got one, right? Yeah. You know, and, I right? mean, best books come out of sometimes the hardest stories. And, Absolutely. Yeah. And it comes out of, yeah. And it comes out of a place of where you, you feel like you got healthy or you became a better version of what God intended us to be. And it's like, I, you know, I'm, I, and like you, you know, I, I have no desire to become famous or anything or to be become rich over a book, but if it can help people, and again, it's a blog. Mm -hmm. And um, so anyway, fast forward, it took me quite a while to finish it. And just as we were getting ready to release it, I said, no. And I had several, I had several different editors read it. I had a female, I had mostly uh, women edit it. And then I had one guy do it. So I thought, man, I wonder if this is going to appeal to guys. And he read it and was like, man, yeah, he said it really got him. And so, yeah. Uh, so what happened was, is uh, a year before it came out, I actually rewrote it. <laughs> I went back and tried to rewrite it again because I just, I it was so vulnerable and I was just really naked. And I was like, I'm not sure I want to do this. And so, mm -hmm. and, the, and the main thing about writing a book about shame is if you've been shamed, how to talk about it without shaming someone else, especially yeah. the people that caused you shame. So yeah. that's yeah. a, a tricky yeah. thing for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it is very, very much so. So what some um, what, you know, like prompted or inspired you to want to bear yourself like this and go, okay, I'm I've been a comedian for a lot of years. People know me as a funny guy. And now here I am. Um, I want to release uh you know, my, my deep, dark secrets or, you know, whatever all this stuff is, um, where did it come from for you to say, I want to, I want to tell people what, what the Lord's doing in me. And, um, e even farther back, like, how did you, how did you learn, um, this so clearly about yourself? Um, like what was the process there? Well, it, I guess the research, I didn't even realize I was doing research, but started when, uh, in the late nineties, I took a hiatus from touring and doing standup to go on staff at uh, the church I was attending in Nashville, Tennessee, it was Belmont church. It was a you know, very large church. And, um, I went on staff to, I had been volunteering in the youth ministry and we were kind of snake bit with youth pastors. We just couldn't seem to keep one. And, you know, <laughs> youth pastors are a bit of an enigma. They, uh, <laughs> they come out of Bible college and they mean well. And, but they know everything. <laughs> they don't know anything, you know? And so we, we were kind of snake bit. And so I had been volunteering and I prayed and I said, Lord, if you want me to do this, have them come to me and, you know, be, be real careful when you do that with the Lord, because I, within a few days, the senior pastor called me out of the clear blue and said, Hey, I've been praying. And this is a church of, you know, a few thousand people. He said, I've been praying. And I think you're supposed to be the new senior high youth pastor. And I was like dumbfounded. And I said, yeah, I think you're right. So I took a hiatus and was there for five years. And then uh, my, the last church I was on staff at here in, in Atlanta, just outside of Atlanta, Georgia, was there for 10. And in my office would come people who wanted pastoral counseling. It would be, mar it would be uh, married couples. It would be, you know, young adults and students. And they all had this theme. And when they would talk about it, I, I, it was like, wow, I, I, I know how you feel. I understand that. And uh, so I could empathize with them. And so I started uh, putting words to how they were feeling. And they were like, oh, my gosh, how did you know that? And I said, because I struggle with it, too. It's called shame. Mm -hmm. So then I started studying shame and how it started and how it, how it showed up in the, in the creation story. You know, Adam and Eve sinned, and they both covered up because they were shamed. And, and then I found an interesting 
little tidbit of information is there, there was no such thing as good shame. Shame in itself is not good. In fact, it's like saying, well, there's some good kinds of cancer. Right. And you'll never find in the scriptures a good shame. And it is, um, you know, it's God's love for us that leads us to repentance. It's that, it's that place where we acknowledge and we come to this understanding that, you know, wow, I, 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 I have messed up, but I am loved and I have a purpose. Shame says you are, you don't deserve anything. And that's why a lot of people have a hard time accepting, um, grace by faith. They think they've got to work. They feel like there's these scales that if I do more good things than bad things in my life, I can go to heaven. Yeah. I've heard before. I remember hearing before that shame isn't the guilt of doing something wrong. It's the feeling of like being something wrong. Like I am wrong. Yeah, I am wrong. Yeah. In fact, I, you know, one of the reasons I, 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 uh, one of the things I realized was, you know, when people describe themselves or feel like they're worthless or unacceptable, that is a clear indicator that shame is uh, a battle for them. It's like some people who would walk at, like, say, you know, uh, someone's at a dinner party. And the moment they leave, the first thing you do is criticize everything they did. Oh, why did I say that? Oh, you're so stupid. Oh, why? oh you know, and that is a real clear indicator that shame has, uh, has got a voice in your life. Or if, um, you know, as soon as somebody does something that is, you know, they make a minor mistake that a pencil eraser will fix, they go, oh, I'm so stupid. It's like, no, you're not. You made a mistake. That's why you have an eraser on the other end of that pencil. Mm. So yeah. what happens is people start to beat themselves up, beat themselves up. And then, um, you know, it was kind of like you guys. You guys were so cruelly treated in some street that you almost wonder, well, am I really flawed? Is there something really wrong with me? Is it me? And you get there and then, you know, you're drowning. And then, you know, there's, it's almost like you can't breathe. And so what I did was I started listening to people and I started putting words to how they were feeling and I would share my own story and everything. And they're like, wow, this is like, I just feel like a, a weight was lifted off of me. And so I just would jot notes down to myself. And then, um, and so, and I, I, I started writing this. Um, I, I actually, I started the blog in 2013 and what was so funny is back then there was, there was nothing on shame, nothing there was. And, and since then a show came out called shameless, there were other books that were written on shame. And I thought this is fascinating how mm-hmm. God must really want to deal with this because I started working on mine in like the end of, um, 2012, 2013. And my book didn't come out until 2016. Yeah. I'm right there with you with my book too. I I was having the same issue. Like, Lord, we, I can see this rise. I know um, in, as far as shame goes, like Brene Brown, you must've been so frustrated seeing all of these uh, shame books out, but I mean, your story in, in particular and reading it, especially um, you vocalizing it as a male because other, you know, uh, I think women are more prone. Um, it's easier for us to talk about our vulnerabilities and our insecurity and feeling weak and like we're nothing. But for you to speak that as a male is a huge thing. It's important. And like, like you said, it's not just women, it's men dealing with it. Um, so what, um, so you, you know, you're kind of, um, vocalizing what shame is, but where does it come from? I mean, uh, obviously, you know, you tell your story a little bit. So share with um, the listeners, like where, uh, where does this all of a, all of a sudden 
um, come from when, when people are struggling with it, it, you know, some people do and some people don't. So where could you say, you know, uh, in your life, in your story, where did it, it begin? Well, for me, it was, um, it started when I was, when I was a little boy and I would hear my mother say things and she would say, you know, I've had, um, uh, I've had, you know, seven years of nothing but hell, Mm. you know, or, you know, I haven't been happy in, in nine years. And what happened was, is that when she would say I've had seven years of pure hell, uh, I was seven. Wow. I haven't been happy since for nine years. I was nine years old. Wow. What I equated that to was that that's when my dad left. My father, uh, they had, I was the youngest of three. And my father decided that he just didn't, he didn't want children and he didn't love my mother anymore. And so he left. And so my mother was um, left to raise three children on her own. I mean, he didn't even pay child support. never saw us, didn't really care to see us. So I would internalize these things. And it wasn't that right. my mother was trying to shame me at all, but it was just her pain and her shame is real. Shame is very, very sticky and it's a context for it. Hmm. And her shame of being rejected by her husband and abandoned was put on me. And so um, mom started drinking out of a bottle until she started, it started to drink out of her, you know, she became an alcoholic. And so I internalized all these things. And then when I was a kid to try to, deflect things and I would use humor as a way to survive I would blurt out things I would say things that I didn't think about and so my nickname came from somebody I dearly love and my nickname was dumb Steve hey dumb Steve hey dumb Steve uh-huh. and so everything was dumb Steve dumb Steve so now I believe that I am responsible for my mother's unhappiness I'm responsible for my mother's hell I'm dumb I'm stupid and um when I first started to um kind of breathe where I could um, feel, um, like I couldn't, like I didn't hate myself. You know, we were, my mother, you know, was a single parent home. She was a school teacher and school teachers didn't make a lot of money. And so, you know, I, you know, I never went to a dermatologist. So I had real bad acne as a kid and everything, you know, you name it, you know, um, couldn't afford braces and all that. So I had a real, uh, horrible self image. And one day I was in remedial math and, uh, I was, I was a sophomore 10th grade. And, um, I, I was in there with all the athletes, right? All the, all the guys that played uh, football and basketball. And I finished my test and I walked up and I laid it on the teacher's desk and I went back and sat down and I started scanning the room. I just started looking around like, wow, you guys are still taking the test, you know? Hmm. And I'll never forget this lady's name, Danielle. Her name was Mrs. Van Hoydunk. <laughs> Say that 10 times real fast. Mrs. Van <laughs> so she said, Stephen, would you come to my desk, please? And I said, yes, ma'am. So I walked up there. And uh, she said, um, what are you doing in my class? And I panicked. My first thought was, <clears throat> you know, um, people with shame have a, have, a, have a default mechanism. If somebody were to say, hey, Danielle, I need to talk to you. Mm. My first reaction would be, what did I do wrong? Uh, you know, instead of saying, hey, Steve, I need to talk to you. Immediately, I think I did something wrong. Right. What did I do? And I go into full scale panic and I start just spiraling down. So she said, what are you doing in my classroom? And I immediately felt that panic. And I looked, I said, I, I, I wasn't cheating. And I promise, because I thought she saw me looking around like I was looking for answers. And I said, my paper's on your desk. And she said, I know it. I'm holding it in my hand. And she said, um, no, why are you in remedial math? Remedial math. And I said, because I'm stupid. And her eyes watered up. 
And she said, what did you say? And I said, because I'm stupid. And I'm telling you, this teacher, God, God love her. She went, you are not stupid. She goes, you got every one of these right. You even got the bonus question right. She goes, why aren't you in Algebra 2? And I said, well, I can't learn how to do Algebra. And then she asked me this question, and I'll never forget it. Can you not learn Algebra, or were you never taught Algebra? Wow. And I went reeling back to the year before where I had a, a junior high school teacher who had favorites and targets. And unfortunately I was one of the targets because I was a little bit of a class clown and she hated me and I, <laughs> I reciprocated. And, uh, but what happened was is that, um, she, I had her in the last period of the day. And so she would just let one of her smarter students just kind of quote unquote teach the class, but they didn't really teach. They just put the equations up on an overhead and then you, had to try to fend for yourself. And I just wasn't, I needed to be taught. She said, have you, can you not learn or have you not been taught? And I said, I don't know. She said, well, here. And so she did an equation. She said, do you see what I did here? I said, yes, ma'am. She was not here. She wrote another one. She was, now you do it. And meanwhile, all the athletes are kind of watching this, you know, like mm -hmm. I've become the show, you know? And so I did the equation and I'll never forget this. I mean, I, I, as I'm, and I'm telling you this story, I see the classroom. I, 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 I know what I was wearing. I mean, it was so impactful. She leapt up from her chair and she grabbed me around the neck and she goes, see, you're not stupid. You're brilliant. You're so smart. And she started speaking all of these words of life over me. And I broke down like boohoo. And, and you don't do that in the 10th grade. You don't cry in front of your friends, you know? And so, um, and so she moved me, uh, within a week I was in algebra two and, um, and I'll never forget that. And so when I started writing Shameless, um, I know where the shame came from. I know where it came and it compounded and how, but yet I still fought with the voices. And what, it, what I discovered was, was that there was only one Mrs. Van Hoydon, but there were a lot of the other teacher. I don't, I don't want to say her name because it's not fair to her, but yeah. the other teacher, I had a lot of her in my life. I had a lot of people saying cruel and negative things. And, and sometimes they meant it. Uh, to be humorous, or they said it in a way that they were just uh, they were venting their own their own uh, issues. And so, um, what I discovered was that uh, you need uh, ten times as many Mrs. Van Hoydunks in your life, people who speak the truth, because it's real easy for us to believe a lie about ourselves. Right. It's great to believe the truth. Before we continue, if you're liking what you're hearing and you want more head over to patreon.com slash Macaulay's to support our ministry and keep us going. Now, let's get back to the conversation. Okay, so you had some people speak shame into your life, but, you know, obviously there had to be somebody to, uh, to speak life. And so uh, for my listeners here, what, um, what can we learn? So the whole and actually, I have to just break here and say, um, give you some credit because um, not only for this podcast, but for the blog, the entire theme of what I do um, is called Lessons I Learned. And I, every podcast I'm asking, you know, what can we learn from you? But really, Steve, that actually came out of a conversation I had with you when we were talking about writing our books. And you gave me such a nugget of wisdom. You told me as far as um, writing goes, you said, Danielle, don't tell your readers what you know. 
tell them what you're learning. Mm -hmm. And I've always remembered that. And it actually kind of morphed into all of this is that we're all a work in progress. And I think the listeners out there, so many of them might be thinking, oh man, like I've said things that I probably, that I didn't mean that I didn't um, think would take hold with my kids or my spouse. Um, I, you know, I, I thought that, um, you know, that rant I went on could just be smoothed over with, um, an ice cream or something, you know what I mean? Um, and, and, and they're going, Oh man, what do I do? So maybe you can share with us, like, what are, what can we learn from your story and what you've um, had to go through from a boy and struggling into now sharing, um, how we can be people that either speak, like there's so much power in our words. We either can speak life or we can speak death and defeat into people that, um, even just uh, unconsciously, subconsciously can hang over our heads for our entire life um, unless we truly have someone rooting for us, fighting for us, or um, if we have the Lord in our life to speak the truth about us. What can we learn um, listening and hearing your story uh, um, to make things better for our families and for our kids that, that are going to grow up and we want them to... Um, not struggle in life. We want them to not believe they aren't good enough. We want them to live um, to the best potential that they have um, in Christ. So, so share with us what we can learn um, from about shame. Well, I think fundamentally it goes to first having an understanding of who God is and what He says, but in His His love for us, and that we're fearfully and wonderfully made, and all those things. But one of the things that I've tried to model in my life with my with my wife and my kids and, and two grandbabies um is that god's love gets us into heaven our love for each other is what gets us through life mm. oh, good. jesus said this is my commandment that you love one another mm. and if you read ephesians 4 it says you know as paul says as a prisoner uh, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. And and what he says next isn't tithe or go to church or to, you know, volunteer. It says to be completely humble, be gentle, mm. uh, be patient, gentle. bear with one another in love. And so what happens in the church, especially, is we kind of measure our spiritual maturity by uh, how many missions trips we go on or how much we volunteer or our church attendance or how many scriptures we had memorized and heaven measures spiritual maturity by the way we by the way we treat each other yeah so what i've learned is that god's love is enough to get me into heaven but it's his love for me expressed toward others that helps them get through life and loving each other and this is um this is i'm writing about that in my new book is that you know um you know, you can tell me all day long that God loves me, but if you can't show me what love looks like, how am I going to get it? Yeah. And so, um, and so that's what we do. I mean, that's a perfect, it's a perfect analogy of how we try to cover up shame is, you know, blow up and then here, let me, let me make you a batch of cookies. And mm. what we learn to do is, um, you know, it's funny. I remember, I don't know if you remember you and I saw each other and I think you were still stinging a little bit from how you used to view me and you came up and 
you started to apologize all over again. And I remember saying, said, Danielle, when I see you, I don't, all I see is the girl that I love. I don't, you don't need to apologize to me. I know you didn't like me at first, but that's okay. And it was shame that kept every time you saw me, it was like, oh, I messed up, I messed up. And it was like, no, baby, I, I love you to death. I, mm-hmm. I don't think about that. What I think about is who you are now. And we model that. We, we take that sting out. And so when we're the cause of so much, like if I had done something to hurt you, um, I would say, Danielle, did I do something? Was what? And you could say, yeah, you know, you said this or this and this. And then I say, you know what? I am sorry for my carelessness. I did that. That was not my intent. Or if I, if I blew up at you, I would own that and say, you know, Danielle, I was having a bad day and I just blew up at you and you didn't deserve that. You, you know, you, you got in the way of a shotgun blast that I carelessly shot and I am, I am just terribly sorry. And could you, mm-hmm. so what we do is we own it. We don't, we don't mask it. We don't cover it up. You know, we, we own it and we say, look, this is, this is where I, I really messed up. Yeah. Um, and, and we all make mistakes. Here's something that a, a mentor of mine told me one day, and this is so funny. Um, I was, uh, we were together and, you know, I, everything this man said was gold to me. And he looked at one, he, he looked at me one day and he always calls me Stevie. And he looked and he goes, Stevie, you make a lot of mistakes, don't you? And Danielle, my heart just sank into my stomach. Hmm. And that I adored says, you make a lot of mistakes, don't you? Hmm. And I just, uh, and then he smiled and said, you know why? He said, because you do a lot. Hmm. He said, people who do a lot make a lot of mistakes. People who don't do anything, they don't make any mistakes. He said, you keep making mistakes. Wow. And it set me free that hmm. when I made a mistake, I own it, right? Yeah. That when I do make a mistake, it doesn't define me. It's It's like you said. I don't want to tell you what I know. Let me tell you what I've been learning so we can learn together. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what, that's what uh, shame, shame takes it off the person too, because if, even if, um, here, here's a silly one, but it works. And, and, uh, and you've probably seen this before. Um, people would come up to me after a talk or something and they would thank me. They would show genuine appreciation and they would say, Oh, that was whatever, you know, they'd be very, very kind in their um, appreciation toward me. And, and I would mistakenly think that humility was deflecting that. And I'd go, oh, well, you know, praise the Lord. Don't thank me. Thank Jesus. And what I was doing was rebuking people for their kindness toward me. Hmm. And it was setting myself up as this spiritual juggernaut, like, well, if you knew better, you would know to thank the Lord and not thank me. And here is someone walking up to me in a very vulnerable place saying, thank you. I appreciate you, whatever. And I rebuked them. Hmm. And when the Lord showed that to me, I was gutted. I was like, Oh Lord, I can't believe I would do that. And so I had to repent. And so now, um, when people come up because the shame, shame made me, uh, walk in false humility, having no shame, I can now accept encouragement. when someone says, well, that was really great. Or, you know, I've never laughed so hard. Or, Man, what you said really helped. I say, thank you so much. I can't tell you how much you encouraged me with that. Thank you. And mm. I receive it with gratitude, with humility, and say, thank you, thank you. Because if somebody comes up to affirm me and I rebuke them, wow, I just shame them. My shame for not being able to receive a, a right. encouragement just shamed them you right passed back. passed it on, right. 
Wow. So good. I mean, so I'm thinking here, you know, it, as a listener to you and, you know, sometimes I'm thinking as a mom myself and some of the things that I've snapped at my kids and in a bad moment and all that. And I can feel like, oh, and, you know, you've also, um, uh, mentioned in passing about we have to be careful even even as joking it can get um, you can pass shame on even when you're joking I can I can think so many times I've told my kids like don't just joke about a, another kid in your class or whatever and say oh I was just joking don't don't belittle them and and mask it as a joke um, because you're still shaming them and uh, I know you've talked about that before um, so we have to be, you know, be careful, but at the same time, we have to, um, really, there can be healing from this. Um, and so there's a lot of people walking around with burdens with, uh, you know, this weight on their shoulder of, of shame from their past, from even as adults, you know, bosses can speak words of death into you, anybody, or it can be the most, uh, it can be a passing comment that just sticks with you depending on what you're dealing with. So if for the people out there who are listening and they're walking around ridden with shame and they know it, they're, you know, they're, they're just resonating with the things that you've said, talking about your childhood and, you know, how you felt and how you viewed yourself, how, how can they begin the steps to being able to take that off of their shoulders and, and, um, maybe for yourself, you can, you can tell us like, what did you do to, um, you said, it's not that you don't have shame. The reason you book your, you call your book shame less is you just right. have shame less. That's right. It's so where did, how did you get, how did you get to that point? Well, starting from fundamentally, I'm a spirit. I'm not a, I'm not a body. I'm not a personality. Fundamentally, I'm a spirit. So I had to start from that foundational place of speaking to my spirit, the truth. And how do you do that? Well, through scripture, scripture is spirit. And so my spirit could be transformed to be able to accept what I was saying. My spirit says, okay, I, I trust that God, you are the almighty authority and you know, and there's all this amazing stuff that's said about us as God's, as God's creation. And, and, and ultimately he wants us to be, uh, in our choice to be considered as a child in the family, allowing us to be adopted by him. Per se. Mm -hmm. And so um, I had to let my spirit come alive and let my spirit, the spirit man in me start to transform and then start to unmask the lies, the lies that um, I was dumb, Steve. Well, I wasn't dumb. Uh, I had to unmask the lie that I wasn't the reason for my mother's heartache. I wasn't the reason for my mother's troubles. I wasn't the reason she became an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. That was her choice because, and that was her reaction to being shamed. And so I had to stop owning everything. It wasn't, it wasn't mine to own. And sometimes if you have shame, what we do is we kind of have this, um, it's, um, it's like, omni uh, um, it's like, uh, omnipotent accountability. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm responsible for everything, everything, right? Right. Everything. So if something goes wrong, Oh, it's my fault. Or, if something goes bad, oh, it's because I, I, I snapped at one of my kids, or oh, it's because I didn't read my Bible enough, or something. And it's, you know, it's this omnipotent uh, accountability that wherever I go, it's my fault. Wherever I go, it's, it's my responsibility. And I have, to, I have to take the fall for it. And we have to move away from that. And then the other thing that, and it's really quite simple for me, was to be able to let, here's, here I am, a comic. 
And I couldn't laugh about my own foibles. I hated my foibles. I hated my mistakes. And when I could say, and like my mentor, Don Finto said, Stevie, you make a lot of mistakes because you do a lot. And if you do a lot, you're going to make a lot of mistakes. That's how you learn, right? Mm-hmm. And so to give ourselves permission to make mistakes, give ourselves permission to learn, give ourselves permission to get better and to not continually hold over ourselves, our past mistakes. There's, here's a real clear one and for, the, for your listeners. If anybody has ever like just not really doing anything, dusting or working on something or driving or anything, and all of a sudden you make this uh, sound like this, just mm-hmm. kind of, well, you just make this exasperate uh, sound and people go, did you say something? And you go, oh, no, I didn't say anything. But there's this, this mm-hmm. kind of, volcano of shame coming up right you're mad at yourself you're upset yeah exactly it's like the pressure cooker and that that little thing that lets off a little bit of steam to let it to keep to keep the the steam regulated and it's like or watch it or or say a word like that and people say what'd you say oh nothing you're talking to yourself that's the clear indicator that you're wrestling with this this spirit of shame Mm. Um, what it is is to go okay what is the truth and there are things it's what does God say about me? What do I say about me? What do others say about me? What does the devil say about me? Hmm. And oftentimes I agree more with the devil and with other people than I agree with what God says about me. Right. Remember, God, God whispers, but the world shouts. Yeah. Who's going to be the louder voice? Yeah, absolutely. And the reason I, the reason I believe that, uh, this is my own silly reason, but I think the reason it says that God whispers is so that when somebody's whispering, you have to get closer to him to hear them. And so when somebody's shouting, you can hear them far, far away and you can keep your distance. But when God whispers, it's like, I got to lean in and and move myself closer to where he is. So it's like when he's whispering, it means, okay, moving closer, you know? And so um, I've just learned as I go too that, um, you know, and I I still battle it. I mean, I I was telling somebody about this recently. Um, They said, you know, well, how do you, how do you deal with shame now? Cause you know, you don't, you don't have it anymore. And I laughed and I said, sure I do. Hmm. And they said, what do you mean? I said, I said, okay, when you walked up to me after the, after I spoke, what is the first thing I asked you? And they went, um, I said, no, think about it. what did I ask you? And you said, oh, you said, um, did any of that make sense? Hmm. <laughs> and I said, uh-huh. And they said, yeah, it was great. And I said, see, shame is insecurity says you screwed up. You messed up. You didn't do good. You should have said this. And I said, so I'm, I said, I'm raw. I'm as vulnerable. I'm as vulnerable as a kitten. As soon as I finish speaking or, or doing something that I believe is of value to somebody. Cause my first thought is, did I do it right? Was it okay? Did it make sense? I said, I'm not looking for a compliment. I'm really, that's, I said, that is me still operating out of, um, continually not feeling ashamed. And I said, and it's good to be introspective and to be self-assessing and go, yeah, did that make sense? But I said, for me, it's still an indicator that I'm still battling a little bit of shame because my first thing was, hey, man, did that make sense? Did, did, was that okay? You know? Mm-hmm. And he goes, wow, that's really interesting. And I said, see, I said, so, and then the conversation, I said, well, which one's yours? Mm-hmm. And then he shared it with me his, what his, what his indicator was. So we all have these little indicators that let us know, okay, I'm still dealing with it a little bit and I'll, you know, I'll get better and better. I'll get more shameless 
as I grow. Yeah. I mean, that's where we're all works in progress and we're all, we're never going to be reach perfection until the other side. So it's the, the important thing is the awareness. And I think that's what you're doing with, um, you know, with your book is just spreading. Some people walk around their entire lives plagued with shame and they don't even know what to call it. And so when you're caught, the fact that you're calling it out is making us aware. And that's with anything we deal with. Once we're um, able to own it and be honest about it and be, and our ears perk up to a little, a little, and the Lord can work on us. And as you say, the important thing is letting God whisper daily. It's a daily thing because we can just slip back into our weaknesses and what we're prone to. And so um, this, oh man, this conversation has been so good. And I've been even, my ears have been listening and my wheels have been turning in my head. And um, I think for everyone out there listening, um, obviously let God whisper daily to you, his word and what he he says about you, but also go grab this book, Shameless, um, just because um, I read it and I've never thought I was one that dealt with shame, but you know, I definitely, it made me think, um, here and there. And then I also passed it on to a couple of people who I knew would just devour it. And, um, it is such a great, real, raw, truthful story full of, of God's truth as well. And so thank you, Steve, for just being vulnerable, um, and giving, um, giving people, directing people to God's truth. Um, so, uh, you know, it's funny. Before I go into um, where can we find you and all that, I, you mentioned my your next book, and I know I've listened to some of the content from. I know what your next book is, and I totally want you to come back. Um, yeah. And uh, it's called. Is it called Who the Pooh Are You? Is that what it's yeah. going to be called? Yeah, it's called Who the Pooh Are You? Yeah, yeah, and all the listeners are going, "What the heck does that mean?" So yeah, maybe, basically, maybe yeah, just basically, give a short, quick, a short uh, little synopsis for everyone about what's coming up next for you, and then and then I'll ask you, you know, where everyone can find you. Well, this this is actually started. I uh, when I was on staff um, at the churches I was at, I would take people on missions trips, and I would take middle schoolers on trips, and. You know, I, I love the personality profiles and how they work, but sometimes they're a little too complicated or they kind of, you know, it's, uh, they just, they weren't fitting what I needed for these middle school kids. And so I, I started working using cartoon characters and then using my own research and ways of explaining relationships to people. And I did this personality test so these middle schoolers could get along with each other. Hmm. And then... The high school kids, I graduated up because high school kids wanted to do it. And then I made it a little bit more uh, adult friendly because the young adults wanted to do it. And then I started using it in uh, premier, uh, premarital counseling. Yeah. Then we started doing it on the Cobbles Night Outs or just kind of this little thing. And it was so helpful. And then all of a sudden, I just started expanding it and doing more research and I had, I've had psychiatrists and psychologists and therapists and, and, and people who, you know, PhDs come up and say, I've seen personality profiles before, but I've never seen one like this. This is, mm-hmm. they said, this is like you, the way you explain relationships. I've never heard anybody do. Do you, do you have a book? And I was like, no. And then, uh, our, our dear friend, Eric Spath, who runs funandfaith.com called me one day and he said, um, do you know what the number one book request is on the, on the website? And I was like, well, 
the five love languages because you know um, he works with Dr. Chapman and Gary Thomas and others. And I said, well, the five love languages. And he goes, no. And I said, Sacred Marriage by Gary Thomas. He said, no. He goes, it's a book that doesn't even exist. <laughs> he told me it was through the police. It's the number one book request we get. So I started fiddling around with it and um, started doing more research. And what it is is just it's based on relationships. It's to how it's it, you know whether. I don't, it, whether it helps anybody in business or not, what it's designed to do is to help people love each other, communicate in a way that, that lifts shame off of one another. And so that you can, and it's the book, you know, the, the core of the book is God's love gets us into heaven. Our love for each other is what gets us through this life. And it's to help people love not only um, other people in their lives, but to love themselves. And yeah, to I- Sorry, finish your thought there. Oh, no, just and be willing to um, uh, take the challenge to say, hey, um, God wants to love that, wants to love other people in life through me. He told us, all men will know you're my disciples, by the way, you love each other. And that starts with your spouse. Oh, I think mm-hmm. this book is actually going to be for anyone who ever interacts with anyone else. So who the poo are you? We're not talking about the brown stuff. You're actually, um, you've used personality testing um, using the Winnie the Pooh characters. Correct, yeah. So that's yeah. what it is. You, you've you got, you know, Winnie the Pooh and then what, Eeyore, Piglet. It's a Piglet, Owl, it's it, Piglet, Owl, Tigger, and Rabbit. Right. And so you help us all, and I've heard you speak on this. It's a, it's fascinating, actually. You help us all figure out who the poo are we, and who am I, and uh, and because they all have a different personality type, and um, you know, there's some one personality who's the you know the leader or the um, the the playful one or the one who just wants everyone to get along, and it just helps us identify who we are, and then how to and who our spouse is, and even who our kids are, and all of that, and the people around us and then be able to um to love and serve them well um and like you said without shame it's just it's a brilliant i can't wait for the book so i want you to come back um once that's out so we can chat about that more um but before we go so where can everyone find you online um how can we grab shameless um your social media give us the rundown uh my social media is uh just a there's a there's a uh, quote unquote fan page. On <laughs> oh, you got lots of fans, Steve. I know you yeah. do. <laughs> but, uh, they can go to uh, funandfaith.com or funandfaith.ca and get information. They can also go to stevegeyer.com or and then my Instagram's a little a little goofy. It's uh, the letter G and then the number eight. Oh, because you're a fan of the Gators, right? You're a Gator Buck fan. That's right. (laughs) Yeah, so Gator Buck fan. So it's G8RBCFAN. So it's Gator Buck fan on Instagram. And then, uh, but yeah, they can go to, probably the easiest way is to go to funoffaith.com because they have all of the, you know, what's coming up um, and, um, you know, where we're going and all that. So, Mm -hmm. awesome. yeah. Yeah. 
Great. Well, thank you so much, Steve. I just know that um, the listeners, you've challenged them. I think um, when it comes to love, I mentioned this in uh, in another podcast, but um, it's important to think what it's like to be on the other side of me to think about. So I think this challenges that thought, like uh, when it comes to me, how am I treating others and speaking um, to others, but also, um, you know, we have to um, take ownership for ourselves, but then also give grace. And um, it's just like a two-way, two-way street and the Lord covers it all. He has grace for us all and he has healing. And I think there's a lot of people who are going to want to pick up this book and um, just, I think you're getting the wheels turning for people um, when it comes to this uh, topic. So thank you so much for jumping on here for, for a little half hour, a little bit more than that or so. I really appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. And always, always fun to hang around with you. Yeah. Good, a good excuse to chat. We'll, we'll do another podcast soon. (laughs) So thank you. All right. Thanks, Steve. If you're hiding behind the mask of shame, listen closely. Don't beat yourself up for your mistakes or for what others have done to you. Remember, there's an eraser on the end of God's pencil. And as your story is written, he is able to blot out the parts that should have never been said or done to you. And he will help you rewrite the shameful moments and become shameless. What Satan intended for evil, God always turns for good. He will make... What Satan intended for evil... God always turns for good. He will make straight your crooked paths, erase the lies and tell you the truth about yourself so that you can be free to speak life and God's truth to the ones around you. I hope you've been encouraged, challenged, and have learned something new today. It is my passion to help women become the best version of themselves with God's help. All the ministry we do, we feel deeply called to, and we live by faith doing it. Would you consider supporting our ministry at patreon.com slash macaulays? That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot c-o-m slash m-a-c-a-u-l-a-y-s. You may see a link on your screen nearby if you're tuning in using YouTube, SoundCloud, or my website. But if not, that's where you can go to find us. We are grateful for every one of you who believe in us and champion our ministry. Lots and lots of love. Danielle.